1: FM Talk Podcast. Wins America. I am not a number.
0: Man. Wiggins, America.
2: The only thing I'm gonna need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee.
0: Wiggins, today's global economy waits for no man. America,
2: today's global business climate is like whatever, dude. Hey. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play.
1: There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
0: Welcome to Wiggins, America.
2: And good morning. This is Wiggins America. Welcome to it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to the people who when you listen to me on the Annie Fry show, you tell Annie that you're going to listen to Wiggins America because you like what I do on that show. And if you're one of the people who says the opposite of that then you need to go away. Screw you. It's just after six o'clock. I shouldn't be speaking like that. It feels wrong in the morning to be saying that to you, but you are here. And so I'm thanking you and I appreciate you. Uh, this is uh, kind of the first show of the new year. We did mostly a rerun show last year, which you can get on Odyssey Rewind, or you can get the um, the podcast I did not do a great job of selling that just now. Not sure why you would go get a rerun show, but hey, it is there if you want it. But we're original this week, and I'm glad that you're here once again. So are we going to talk about January 6th? Yes, we are. We're going to talk about January 6th, 2022. That was Thursday. Got an open question for you. Might open up the phones and ask you what you had for dinner on Thursday that is the depth in which I want to talk about January 6th just kidding uh actually that's kind of true I don't really want to talk about January 6th but it's January 8th now I guess and it was the big news story of the week Trump came out and gave his news conference and we expected that and the January 6th commission continues in full force and it's embarrassing because everybody here's some polling for you I love polling I like good polling. I also like looking at bad polling because I like to see how they're trying to shape things. But if you know which polls to look at and really get a temperature on the nation, it's kind of fun to look at polling. And the polling is bad for the January 6th commission. Everybody knows it's partisan. Everybody. There's only like 30-something percent of Democrats that even approve of it happening. Most Democrats—I shouldn't say most Democrats. Most Americans think it's stupid. A good portion of Democrats think it's a partisan exercise and are not really for it. I can't say that they're against it, but it would be like something on your on the right. You know, if you're on my side of the aisle and you're listening this morning, it would be like one of those fringe issues that you're like, you know what? I don't really care about this, but the Republicans are pushing it a lot. I'm not really against it. It's one of those for a lot of Democrats. So as we talk about January 6th, keep that in mind, but it's an issue that will not go away. It's one of the only issues that I think Democrats think that they're winning right now. And I say, think that they're winning because I just gave you poll numbers. It's not polling that well, but they keep hammering it for two reasons. A, I think that it makes good social media fodder if you want to fight because no Republican really deeply defends. people breaking into the Capitol on January 6th, that's really not the point of the argument to most people I know anyway. The point is the election itself. But January 6th takes away from that. Democrats like that. So they like to um, hammer that point and try to win that point because they know that most of us go, yeah, I don't really want people breaking into the Capitol building. That's not cool. And they feel like they win. So that's one reason. I think the other is that they continue to yell about it because they're trying to change the way we vote in the United States to benefit. Guess who? You guessed right. I could hear you say it through your radio, or I could hear you sit there in silence wondering if I was actually going to hold that break for that long. Um, yeah, they're trying to push in new voting legislation, as you know. I mean, if, you, if you're if you paying attention, you already know this. It was originally called H.R. 1 House Resolution Bill 1. That's the first thing they did was try to change election law <laughs> with a barely, barely, I think we're talking about five-seat majority in the House and no majority in the Senate. It's 50-50. They just got the tiebreaker with Kamala Harris. So they're trying to change the way America votes in all federal elections based on what they would consider to be a quote unquote mandate from the people that they have a split Senate and almost a split house. So this is going to be an interesting year because we're going to manage through this year in a lot, a lot of ways. One of them is that, will Republicans be able to hold the filibuster? Will Joe Manchin be able to hold the filibuster? Kristen Cinema also, I don't know. So far, looking back anyway into 2021, Kristen Cinema, was very uh, iron-willed, I guess, about keeping the filibusters. So I don't think that's going anywhere. Chuck Schumer trying to hold a vote this week, he won't stop. But uh, uh, beyond that, an issue I do want to talk about beyond January 6th, and let me let me let me wrap this up by saying that if somebody asks you, you know, if somebody wants to fight you on January 6th, and whether it's on social media or not, I. I don't know. You make your mind up on whether you want to fight on the socials. To me, that's, you scroll past stuff and you go, am I really going to let somebody get away with that ridiculousness? That's what I always fall into. If somebody's making a reasoned argument, I almost enjoy talking about that. But for the most part, I let it go. I'm thankful to have this voice so I can talk about what's on my mind here. Not everybody gets to do that. And I get that. So socials are a good way to express yourself, but I've backed off of, I still post a lot on Twitter, especially cause I like talking about politics and that's kind of like the politics zone is Twitter, although maybe moving to Getter, we'll see how that goes. Um, but with January 6th, if somebody talks about that, <clears throat> I've been very reluctant to engage in that battle, but I have looked at all the arguments. Because I, we're talking about two different things here. We're talking about, one, you, you talk about the the politicians and what they're doing with January 6th. And number two, you talk about the passionate, hard left that they just hate Republicans. They don't really uh, always know why, but man, do they hate them. <laughs> and, uh, and that's not everybody, but there is a group of people like that. So I don't want <clears throat> to include you in that category if you're on the left and you're listening this morning. I appreciate that. And I hope you appreciate that. I acknowledge that not everybody on the left is monolithic, just like not everybody on the right is monolithic. But there is a group of people who are passionately using January 6th in arguments to win them and say Republicans are trying to overthrow democracy. Look at January 6th. And that's pretty much the argument. So I'll say this to you just as a nice, easy lasso around that, that you can bring it back that if your friend is talking to you in the bar about this or a family member or whatever, and it's an amicable conversation, I don't want to get anybody in big fights, especially in families. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if, if that happens, all you have to do is say this. <laughs> I'm giving away, giving away the golden goose here because if you're on the left and you're going to hear this, you go, oh, well, then now I can fight that. But all you got to say is, was it an insurrection? Because they love that word insurrection, insurrection. Republicans are trying to destroy democracy. They are the insurrection party. Every day is January 6th. Most people who argue for that will say yes. They'll say, yeah, that was absolutely an insurrection. <clears throat> if they don't, then you got them there too. Because if they say, no, it wasn't an insurrection, you say, then what are you so upset about? Well, I'm upset about blah, 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 blah. And people breaking in. You could say, well, I'm upset about that too. But that doesn't warrant us talking about it for a full year and then having a a commission on it in Congress for a full year, subpoenaing and bringing people in for questioning constantly legal battles. You're breaking people's banks on purpose. I mean, that's why they're going after Steve Bannon. That guy wasn't a part of January 6th. You could say he was in, in theory or in spirit, but they're subpoenaing these people because they want to break their bank. That's why they're doing it. You know that. Everybody knows that. Um, But some of them will fight. Steve Bannon's going to be one of them. He's going to fight to the end. So if it wasn't an insurrection, then there really isn't much of an argument for all of what's happened over the last year from Democrats in Congress. And the argument kind of ends there because you're both rational and you say, well, yeah, there's not really a reason for that. Let's just move on. It was stupid. Let's move on. Now, if they say it was an insurrection, and you say... Well, do you trust the FBI? Do you trust the Biden Department of Justice? Because the DOJ and the FBI and everybody who's investigated this, including the commission, they've made a lot of charges against a lot of those people. The guy walking around in the horns and every other famous image from that day. They've charged all these people. They've charged a lot of people. You know what they've charged them with? Mostly trespassing. You know what they haven't charged a single person with? Insurrection. It's because they can't find the charge. There was no insurrection. So there's really the end of the argument right there. This is a political exercise. You know it. I know it. We all know it. There was no insurrection. Otherwise, you'd have a whole bunch of people in jail for the rest of their lives for insurrection against the United States, possibly uh, executed. I mean, that's, that's a punishment for being a traitor against your country. At least historically, it has been. None of that's happened, not even charges filed on it. So that's pretty much where I land on January 6th. Now, I mentioned that the year ahead and the show ahead, we're going to talk about quite a few things, but we need to get through 2022. We're at the beginning of it. Let's come out strong. Let's come out with uh, steel backbones and get through 2022, because if we can, we will stop the bleeding. One of the big ways that we can do that is not just by protecting votes which Democrats want to change permanently, protecting the filibuster, which Democrats want to change permanently, but it's by stopping spending. Yes, that may be a tertiary issue compared to the way America votes or the way the filibuster is held regarding a lot of other issues, but it's still really important and it's one that hits home. You know, the way that we vote, that's not going to hit you for a couple of years. That, I mean, it will, but the effects of it will take a while. Inflation's happening now. It's a big issue for a lot of people. If you don't make a ton of money, which I don't, I've been joking on the Any Fried Show about how poor I am lately. Um, please send donations to my Twitter or Facebook or my address at home, <laughs> however you want. Um, but I. Uh, if you if you don't make a lot of money, inflation hurts you the hardest, and that's coming this year. I hate to say it. I've written an article about it, did a bit of a dive into what's happened in the last year, what's happening right now, what's coming this year based on those things. Looked at some international issues, the dollar against other currencies and things like that. I think you'll find it interesting. We'll talk about that. This hour, I think, (laughs) that's a plan anyway. Stick around. More Wiggins America on the way.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
2: Wiggins America, 97.1 FM Talk. My name is Ryan Wiggins. There's also somebody in the studio with me named Trisha Siegman, who I've yet to make an open for. I want you to know that's on my list.
3: I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. How do I expedite that process?
2: Uh, you, you, here's the thing. You don't, because when I make it, it's going to be something that's <laughs> you're going to not like. Really? My, my intention is to make an open that you hate so badly okay. that you cringe at the thought of even coming onto this show. I don't think that's possible. Okay. I think
3: I'm going to love it. I've never had one. I've been looking really forward to it.
2: I It's on my list, I promise. All right. But I've got to really bring... If there's
3: a way to bribe you
2: with candy or oh, yeah. soda or something... Wait, to bribe me to make it or bribe me to make it good? Bribe you to make it. It's going to be good. Okay. Uh, yes, you can bribe your skills. me. You absolutely can bribe me. I
3: want it to be funny and memorable...
2: It's going to be it's going to be embarrassingly bad. It's going to whatever it is paint you in such a terrible light that you won't like it. But I don't know what it is yet. I just know that it's going to be disappointing to you. <laughs> it's going to be well produced and intentionally disappointing. There. Right, we I'll just did if- a well, minute on your open that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, let's honor the people's time here, Tricia, and get to a couple stories. One, I wanted to discuss just because I went to the grocery store yesterday, and I didn't even know. This wasn't on my radar, so it kind of shows you where I'm at with this topic. But the cashier said, you're going to buy a Powerball ticket. I No, because I don't play the lottery, really. Do they
0: normally
3: ask that?
2: Well, I don't think she was selling me one. She was just making conversation. Sure. She was just saying, right. "I'm in the Powerball. You in the Powerball?" Mm-hmm. I said, "No. What's it up to? Because usually when people are talking about it, it's up high. So it was. And as of I think yesterday, or the day before, there was a winner. Two, I believe. Yeah, two people are splitting five hundred million dollars or something like that. Six hundred something like that. It's, it was outrageous. Six hundred something. My question for you, and I said this to her too. But we're talking through plexiglass and you're trying to move along. And I realized this isn't really the time to bring this up. So I thought I'm just gonna bring it up, Patricia. <laughs> lucky me. Yeah, lucky you. Does it make a difference that the Powerball is at five hundred million dollars versus what it is today, Saturday, at twenty million? Because to me, I don't I don't get the whole impetus to go buy a ticket when it's oh, but you could win 500 million dollars instead of 20 million dollars.
3: Psychologically, yes, I think it does for people. I'd be interested statistically to know
2: if it makes a difference. Well, that's kind of my it's a stupid point to make because statistically you you have a wor- <laughs> you have a worse chance of winning when more people are playing, which when right, the, when but- it gets up that high but statistically, it's already so small that it doesn't really matter. That was going to be my question. Is it really a wash either way? I mean, yes. But if you really want to get, like, actual hard numbers, your chances go down when the pot gets that big because there's Mm -hmm. so many more people playing. Or I guess I shouldn't say that because multiple people can win. So it's probably about the same. You just think theoretically with more people in the the fray, your chances would go down. But I don't think that's actually true because the numbers don't change. You know, Uh the number of numbers that you pick is the exact same, whether it's one million dollars or five hundred million dollars. So I'm contradicting myself by even talking this out. Uh But (laughs) you you get where I'm coming from.
3: I do. Yeah. We're the I I come from a family of Powerball ticket buyers. It's more of a recent thing. My mom has a work pool. She does. Um, Eddie will pick them up on a semi-regular basis, we definitely make sure we get them when they're hired. That's psychological. I don't think we think we're going to win anymore or any less.
2: So, did you get them this week? Yes. And you didn't win.
3: No. Well, I didn't say you're that. She's still here. <laughs> <laughs> the check hasn't cleared yet. Okay. No, I obviously didn't win. Um I'd be interested I'm not interested in any of this because I didn't win, but I wonder if people are disappointed. Winners are disappointed when they win 20 million versus 600 and something million. Well, that's
2: my point. Is yeah, that I, don't I know. can't imagine that if you won the lottery, even if it was just three million dollars, I'd be ecstatic and wouldn't really care. If I found out I won the lottery in any significant way and it was over a million dollars, mm-hmm. I think once I'd get into spending the money, I'd be like, oh well, you know what? I really could have used an extra five million here because my house doesn't have an indoor pool. It's only got an outdoor or whatever it is. But at the moment of winning, you'd gotta think, it doesn't really matter, right?
3: Yes. What's that number? I've got I know of someone that won a hundred thousand ish. No kidding. Yeah. So that's nice, right? That's a nice chunk of change. That is a lottery winner. That and-
2: that changes your life, but not not really, it, though, you, right? You're still you can't going to retire your same, yeah, on yeah, it. You're, you're
3: still working. Yeah. You might pay off your house, like. Yeah. What's well, the number? I think as an
2: investor, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, how would I invest it into things? Because that would change the way I I live in some ways. But they, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. leave here, or I wouldn't. What you know, would you do with a hundred thousand dollars? I would just invest it in more real estate and stuff like that that I don't have right now. So it's not fun, but it's just more long term thinking for me. But it's practical. It's yeah. it's a, I mean yeah that's, that's stuff that I would like to have because if I got an extra chunk of change that would change the way I I retire so it wouldn't change that right now but it would change down the road but what, you're asking so where's that's that number changing.
3: what's that number that is like well what
2: is it for you I don't know that changes the way growing it,
3: up it used to be a million dollars who wants to be a millionaire. It's now, not a million anymore. No, not even close. You is could it twenty maybe,
2: million like at our age. You could maybe retire with a million dollars if you were really smart with it. But I don't think you'd want to stop. You'd have to use it to make more money. You couldn't just sit on it, which is kind of the point of winning the lottery: mm-hmm. is that you're just done, right? So uh, that's a better question. What's the number to just sit on to be done? Yeah, uh,
3: investments don't now, matter. You can.
2: I think. I guess it depends on how you want to live. Because if you want well, to
3: nice if you want to live a bit bougie in
2: Key West or something, yep. you're gonna need, I'd say in the six, seven million range to never do anything again. But if you're gonna live if you're just gonna retire and live here for the rest of your life, you could probably do that on one point five two million now at our age. It depends on how old you are too. Because you and I are you're in your thirties, I'm barely in my forties. So Barely. I'm, a, I'm I'm saying we're the same age, even though we're not. <laughs> it's close, but I, that's what I would think. So it depends. How would you live
3: comfortably? I mean, I'd like to have.
2: Would I you actually move? think yes. Sorry. To warmer climates. Yes. I mean, we say that in the winter, but would no, you want to be in Florida in the, in the summer? I
3: don't know. Florida is so humid. Yeah, I'd like to move. But where would you go? Somewhere warmer.
2: Okay. New Mexico. So just anywhere People south.
3: go there, right?
2: New Mexico. Well, I got to tell you, Arizona. Yes. I mean, those are good choices. So
3: I would go to the places people normally retire, explore my options, and just retire
2: early. But would you really want to just sit? No, I wouldn't. I would work. I would too, but I don't know what I would do because there's still an element that, as as usual, there are days that you wake up, and we're talking early here, so everybody gets it, that you're like, I don't want to go to work today. Mm -hmm. But you still do because you have to. Well, that immediately goes away if you have that much money. Yeah, the
3: incentive to get up and
2: go. I was just
3: thinking that. I was thinking, I could serve. Maybe I'd work at a coffee shop, or maybe I'd wait tables a little bit. Until you got bored. Or annoyed with my schedule, or annoyed with people,
2: or tired. Yeah, I don't know. It was just one of those questions that I don't think about much because I don't play the lottery. Mm -hmm. The only time we ever play the lottery is at Christmas. My dad and grandma will buy everybody a few lottery tickets. And with my grandma, it's usually like one dollar tickets, and we all just kind of scratch off, scratch off, just have a little fun. see Those if anybody are the wins best anything. gifts. They're fun
3: for the most part. They're a waste of the buyer's money. They are a
2: waste of yes, but they are. But for the
3: receiver, that doesn't usually, especially because we'll buy Powerball tickets, but I don't play scratch offs. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't actually personally buy any of it. So when somebody gives me a scratch off, there's a. Uh, an endorphin, like that, that high from gambling, they, it's like a quick shot of it.
2: And my kids now are seven, and so they're doing a lot of math, and they're they're my four-year-old can't figure out what a scratch-off is, but my seven-year-olds at this Christmas for the first time were like, ooh, okay, I'm reading the rules, and I'm figuring this out, and they could do them, and they had a blast, even though they lost. Did you let your kids gamble? Yes. Hmm. Well, my dad did. On Christmas? And my grandma. On a holiday? Yeah, it was fun. They, I mean, I remember being at that age and doing mm-hmm. those things and thinking, oh, my gosh. And what's funny is, and you remember back when you were that age. <laughs> I remember back when you were seven and doing scratch-offs is what I'm saying. But <laughs> <laughs> but I remember being that young and do, going this, through the same thing, like scratching off, and telling my parents, oh, my gosh, you guys. I was one coin or a little gemmy thing away from winning $10,000 for you guys. Can you believe that? And they're like, oh my gosh, no. You were so close. And so there's this dramatic thing that goes with, and my kids are doing that now. Dad, you wouldn't believe how close I was. I was supposed to get three pieces of candy, and I only had, and I had two. I was one piece of candy from making you guys millionaires. That close. It was fun. It was fun. But also, have you ever seen the flip side of that? Have you ever seen the person that goes in? And if you're this person, you're listening right now, I apologize because clearly there's something there that you're getting out of this that I don't see. But the person who goes into the store, buys a 10 or $20 ticket, and maybe multiples, spend $100 on a few tickets, and then doesn't scratch them, just has the person scan them right there in the store. Have you ever seen that? Yes. And they stand at these
3: people. I'm sure you're lovely people in the rest of your life, but you stand there and you run them and then you buy more and you run them. And there's a line forming behind you, is it those people?
2: I'm not yes, but I'm not even mentioning that. That's not that's not what I'm talking about. Because that is a that's a problem. (laughs) Well, that's that I mean another question. You know the people I'm talking about though, right? If you win, do you immediately cash it in? Yes.
3: There are people that stand there and you though. Do you No, if I take a ticket uh, again, I don't buy the power. Let's say you won
2: fifty bucks. Are you buying? Are you getting fifty dollars more worth of tickets? Are you cashing in fifty bucks? I would cash in fifty bucks. What about if it's a buck?
3: I would hope that that ticket made it back to the to a gas station in the state I bought it in time for me to use it (laughs) before losing it.
2: So you're not rebuying a ticket, regardless. I'm not either. Mm -mm. But the the people at the gas station look at me because it's once a year. I go after Christmas. I cash in probably thirty five dollars maximum that I've won. They look at me like I'm crazy. They go, oh, you want some tickets? I'm like, no, 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 I want the cash. And if, especially if it's less, if it's like $10. bucks, they are like, you want the cash? Apparently nobody does that.
3: That makes sense. I mean, if it's
2: low number, I get it.
3: Well, and if your habit is buying tickets.
2: Yeah. But have you you ever seen the guy or girl who walks in and does what I said? Lines regard. Let's say say they're very courteous. But they still walk in. They buy a bunch of tickets, and they just have immediately scan them. I don't get that. I don't either. Because like you said, there's an endorphin there. There's a fun of scratching it that you think even for a moment, oh, maybe something will happen here that you've given that away. That's the whole reason for the scratch off to me. I agree. Okay. I agree with that. Well, we're in agreement. Cool. Uh, I can't believe that I didn't get to the actual article. Can you stick around for another one or not? You got time? Yes, I can. You can tell me no.
3: No, it's cool. I definitely have time. I need a cup of coffee. So Okay, all right, stick around. I'll
2: be back. Trisha and I will be right back. You stay here too. It's Wiggins America 97.1 FM Talk. Trisha Siekman in studio with me, Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. We were just talking about cancel culture. Or were we?
3: I don't remember. <laughs> I really needed this cup of
2: coffee. Yes, you did. She ran out and filled up, and now she's like, I'm ready to go. But then she just said some random sentence fragment to me, and I said, what does that mean? And she, by the between the time she said it and me saying that sentence, she already blanked out on what she had said. I genuinely have no idea. So it is coffee time. Welcome to the early morning. We are here with you. Thank you so much for being here on 97.1 FM Talk, Wiggins America. So this is the story that I put aside when we started talking about all of our gambling habits and my kids' gambling habits in the last segment. Uh, The headline from Yahoo News really caught my attention, and this was right after the new year, but it's still relevant because it's going to be being built for a long time. It says, are we recording? Yes, to the end of the world. So apparently, that headline is so
3: ambiguous. We could
2: I know. be talking about anything, <laughs> which is probably why I clicked on it. Um, <laughs> it got you. <laughs> yeah, it got me. It got me. But and then it
3: happened to be something.
2: It's got well, yeah. It's got this picture, which was already intrigued because I'm a sci-fi guy. I really? like sci-fi a ton.
3: You are you. You have like a hobby or something?
2: Oh, you mean like Last Person on Earth films? That's is the that is that what you're referring to? You're the one. I knew I there was the somebody around here that was into that. Look, here's the thing. It's not, that doesn't just mean it's sci-fi. Yes, there's a lot of sci-fi that's last person on Earth, but it crosses over into other genres. For instance, I watched a film just last night, Tricia, called Southbound. It was absolutely a horror film. Part of it is a person... Here, little plot point. I should have played the sounder. Look, here's the sounder. Boom. The last.
0: Where is Everybody. It's not the end of the world. There's all the time I need and all the time I want.
1: The last person on earth. I miss the noise, you know? I thought it was going
2: to be alone again.
0: There's time now.
2: Southbound from 2015, plot point, guy hits a girl who runs out in the middle of the street. The girl's got a backstory too. We've seen that already. But the part that's relevant is that... When he hits her, he feels responsible. She's alive, but she's barely breathing. He feels responsible. He's out on a desert road. Calls 911. 911 instructs him, okay, there's not going to be a hospital very close to you that you could wait for an ambulance if she's in that bad of shape. So grab her, take her in your own car to the nearest town, which they look up is this town. He goes to the town. Mm -hmm. It's very dark and eerie. Goes to the town. Cannot find a single person in the town. That hits Last Person on Earth criteria and it's a horror movie. Well, th- it's a sci-fi horror movie. Well, but they don't give an explanation. they don't give a scientific explanation for why they can't find anybody. It's supernatural.
3: That's like saying essentially the same thing that happened in the Twilight Zone is horror, not sci-fi.
2: Twilight, you're proving my point. Twilight Zone hits many genres. It's not just sci-fi. But, but it's primarily but sci-fi. But primarily
3: sci-fi. My Just po- like that film. Just like all The Last Man on. It doesn't matter. No, no. I don't know how we got here. What's your article? I don't either.
2: Here's the point. <laughs> are we recording? Yes, to the end of the world. They have built, and it's. I say sci-fi because the picture is an artist's rendering of what it will look like. Mm-hmm. And when I say they have built, I mean they are building. Because <laughs> it's not built. It is a black box similar to a planes black box that is intended to record anything that would happen that would cause mass extinction. So if mankind were to end on Earth, this black box would record all the data as to why it happened. I thought that was super cool. It is. But then I had questions. Do you have any questions before we move on, Tricia?
3: Sure. Where is this black box located?
2: That is a good question. Uh, let's see. Between the University of Tasmania, so I'm assuming that is Australia. On the Earth's surface? On the Earth's surface. It's not under underground.
3: What happens if whatever knocks us out knocks everything on the Earth's
2: surface out? I think that's a great point. That was one of my questions, too. What if, it, what if whatever it is, if it's a meteor, hits Australia? What if it hits the black box? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the chances are pretty low. But, but you never know. I think they're talking more about, is it, a in their words, pathogen or nuclear war or something like that that causes mankind to become extinct? And then
3: we're just gambling on the fact that whatever species or thing comes next, we'll find this box and figure out how to use it?
2: Yes, that's what we're gambling. All right. That we've put enough data into it that they could find what caused us to go away. However,
3: but we're not going to be putting the data into it of the cause of what made us go away. Cause we're going to be gone.
2: Well, I think the hope would be that the news items right up until it happened would give an indication that if a nuclear war was going to break out, that
3: oh, that makes sense. You'd
2: have everything going right that way. All right, I'm he- out of questions for now. Okay. Well, here's my question that the article, right when I saw it, I thought, <laughs> because my mind goes to the politics of it, which I guess if we're all dead, who cares? But it says, the death of civilization may come from climate change or pollution that makes earth uninhabitable. Who's, who's putting the data into the thing? Because that's right where my head went. Climate activists.
3: Yeah. And how skewed is that data?
2: Yeah. Because it was all kinds. It was. So you're
3: worried about the.
2: The The the, optics. Yeah. Optics. (laughs) Yeah.
3: You're worried about the misinformation, the fake news in this box (laughs) for the alien race that finds and decodes it.
2: Yes. Yes. A
3: hundred million years from now.
2: I am. But here's my my real concern about it is that it would become a cool thing <laughs> and it becomes this thing like, oh, Earth's black box. And it becomes a, it becomes like an untouchable scientific thing because it's the black box thing. Oh, that's, that records all data for everything possible. And then people start using the black box data to determine policy for things because that's what really would happen. I mean, we're talking, that's a real possibility that somebody would say, oh, the University of Cambridge says now, well, it becomes the whole black box thing. Well, the black box thing says that blah, blah, blah is going to happen. And this is what's causing us but to. But somebody had to
3: put that data in but the black somebody box had to, to put get that, that
2: yeah, ball in motion. As we're going toward whatever possible mass extinction, or not. Say we're not even close to a mass extinction event. And somebody says, yeah, but the data we're putting into the black box, it suggests that we are. That's what I'm concerned about
3: that is a valid concern thank you nice job thank you i didn't get there i was stuck on the aliens
2: no i i understand that but in light of the last couple years i think that's why this was a new year's story Mm -hmm. is that everybody's kind of thinking about this because i see people on the socials who are not on my side of the aisle at all everybody is kind of in that boat everybody's going do we have a lot longer left? And maybe that's too big of a question, but is society going to work? You know, I mean, yeah, I think how a lot far of down people, this road are we going to go before it just implodes? And I think a lot of people are thinking that in terms of the virus, because they think this was <laughs> this was the mass extinction event, you know, despite the data. But <clears throat> that there are a lot of people who are thinking, and I'm included in this group, that are. The things that we expected and, and were so normal for our lifetimes are really a lot more fragile than we thought they were, and that sure. that bothers me. So I just I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that at all before we hit the end of the hour here. Or not. The end of the world. The end of the world.
3: Yeah, I think that the virus made us all reevaluate our place here and how long it was going to last. I imagine that anytime there has been a virus or a plague or any life-altering event throughout history, that people have these same feelings. I guess I'm just benefit of the, like, just optimistically thinking this too shall pass and we'll find a new normal. No, and right. at some point we'll look back in history and we'll all still be here. But... Some civilizations aren't.
2: I mean, we've always done that sin- in the last 2,000 years, anyway. We've done that with the return of Christ or the book of Revelation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And get, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge student of the book of Revelation, probably more so than most people who are even Bible studiers. <laughs> I've always <laughs> are been. You the
3: biggest. I'm the, I'm the best student. I'm the best. You I'm, are the best. I'm
2: the top of the, the heap. <clears throat> no, I think a lot of people who are, are avid studiers of scripture they for some reason just don't go into revelation that much or they don't go into end times because you're talking about all stuff that all the rest of it is stuff that matters to us right now or has happened. That's stuff that is, is predictive. And so it gets a little fishy because you don't know how to apply it exactly. And so I think people back away from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I also realize that people have misused it throughout millennia to say, well, this is that, this is that when really a lot of that stuff is just shadows or types of those things, but they're not, that's not the event. You know, 666 is not on your arm right now. The vaccine isn't that. Could it be a foreshadowing of government authority trying to do things to you that you don't want, making you only able to buy or sell goods if you have your papers? Absolutely. But it's not that yet. And I think that's, that's kind of the broad point that I was trying to make. I wasn't trying to make that with the black box, but that's no, where but we went. No,
3: po- the black box, I mean, coming back to your point, it is interesting how that could be used today before the end of times.
2: Yeah, and that's what always concerns me because if mm-hmm. we get wiped out, I don't really care. But yeah. up until we get wiped out, then I care. We're out of time. Sorry, but thank you Trisha for sticking around for thank another you. segment and thank you for sticking around if you can stick around another hour, we will be here on Wiggins America. Get more at 971talk.com.